Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at Patreon.com slash Partners in Crime Media. This week's Lawn on a Marathon winner is Heidi Wise of Kalamazoo, Michigan. Heidi will win a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show, which happens to be the original Law & Order. To be next week's marathon winner, sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoie and Jessa Nicholson-Getz, and these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law & Order, Law & Order, Law & Order. It's no ordinary Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about Network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at SVU Season 18, Episode 17, Real Fake News. I'm on the Endless Truth website, and one of those Endless Truthers searching for clues found a real sex trafficking site on the dark web. Joining me to do just that is true crime author and the host of Crime Writers On and Slate's Mom and Dad Are Fighting podcasts, Rebecca Lavoie. Hello, Rebecca. I look forward to spreading some disinformation with you, Kevin. (laughs) Why should this episode be any different? (laughs) And rounding out our panel is our special guest from the Getting Off podcast. It's Jessa Getz. How are you, Jessa? I am so good. Thank you so much for having me. I've I've been a huge fan for years, so this is... I, I live to mock sensitive crimes. So I'm very excited. <laughs> well, Jessa, for those who listen to your podcast, they know that you are an attorney. That's correct. Do, do you think that most people's understanding of how the justice system works is formed from what they see on TV? Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> in real trials, I had people stand up on the witness stand and say, you can't ask me that. That's hearsay. <laughs> Objection. And I'm like, that's not really your part. That's my part. Your part is to answer those. <laughs> wow. Well, did uh, the things you see on TV inspire you to become an attorney? Or was it a higher calling? No, a little bit, okay? Because I'll, I'll own this. I remember being in high school and college and watching The Practice. Yeah. And uh, I remember getting really choked up when they started to make money. <laughs> so that was. <laughs> <laughs> they, they turned things around in episode, at season three or four, I think. Yeah, where they started, you know, and I was like, all right, that'd be fun. Um, but it, I watched Law and Order, I think, 
you know, from way back from the Ben Stone original recipe days too. And it definitely made it seem like this exciting life, you know? Mm. Yeah. And so it probably did have a little bit of an influence. How often do law and order prosecutors make reversible errors? Oh, like 95% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> like every time I'm like, and that's just felony witness intimidation. You are not doing anything at all that you're supposed to be doing. And I would also note that I think that criminal defense attorneys sleep with our clients maybe only half the time. Yeah. Oh, that's it, huh? You know, I feel like the the 80% of the time that is representative of female defense attorneys on SBU is just a scotch high. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then um, we usually do it this way, but I'd like to turn it around. Let's start with. Who is your favorite prosecutorial team? Favorite law and order district attorney prosecutorial team. So Jack McCoy will always be number one for me Mm -hmm. because he got me through law school with our drinking games of every time Jack McCoy takes the moral high ground, we'll all take a shot. (laughs) Uh, So that really helped me finish those three years of my life. And Ab Carmichael is probably my second. That's my go to. I'm I would be, Carmichael. Yeah, I, I'm a McCoy Carmichael. And of all the franchises, which two cops are your favorite detective team? Favorite Law and Order detective team. It's got to be Munch and IT. Or IT. 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 IT's the computer crimes guy. Yeah. <laughs> it was that stint Olivia did in computer cl- crimes. She was yeah. only my favorite for that portion of her pregnancy. Then yeah. I then I went back to IT. No, it's it, it's Munch and IT for sure. <laughs> So, you know, what's funny is like these are celebrity actors uh, and these characters and we're like, well, then Benson came in and then Munch followed up. And then right after that was iced tea. (laughs) (laughs) Right now, let's look at the first half of this episode, SVU, season 18, episode 17, Real Fake News. Congressman Luke Bolton is waiting in Liv's office. He says ever since his emails were hacked, the web trolls have accused him of being part of a child sex ring at a Chinese restaurant. When Carisi and Finn check out the Coral Dragon to debunk the story, a guy dressed like Elmer Fudd walks in with a rifle looking to rescue the kids. The cops get the drop on him and take him into custody. And so ends another seven-minute episode of Law & Order Special (laughs) Victims Unit. Of this restaurant, the internet is not letting this go. It claims that the Coral Dragon has this deep, hidden basement that you guys just didn't look hard enough to find. There's no basement. Who believes this stuff? Nowadays, people are going to believe what they want to believe. In their attempt to find the source of the fake news, they meet Ron Duca, editor and sole employee of EndlessTruth.com. He says his anonymous source pointed out the hidden code within Congressman Bolton's emails to show a connection between the restaurant and a supplier with a past statutory rape conviction. While that doesn't pan out, Rollins finds a real sex trafficking ring on the web. Computer Crimes traces the ring and child porn back to the congressman, but they determine it was planted by a hacker. Feeling they can find the hacker and the child sex ring with Duca's computer, they take the publisher to court and win. But the next edition of Endless Truth has an expose featuring Benson and Rollins, implying their fatherless children were flesh payoffs from the kitty prostitution ring. Okay, so we start this episode with Liv. <laughs> There's so okay. much to unpack There's here. There's so much that happens in this, yeah. <laughs> we start this with, uh, with Liv congratulating Finn for his promotion to, to sergeant. Yes. You know, I am going to miss you, Finn, because they transfer 
new sergeants to patrol. Well, first they got to get appointed, and that may not happen for a while. I'm number 622 on the list. What? I didn't get a perfect score. So we're basically banking on Finn being just dumb enough <laughs> that no one is going to remember he got promoted and have to leave the show. Yeah. That's perfect. I mean, it, basically, it answers the audience question of why is Finn stuck in this dead-end job? <laughs> and also answers the audience audience question of why is Finn never going to leave this show? Like, we don't want him to leave, but we also don't want him to be, you know, kept at one level by the man, you know, keeping him down. Like, we want him to ascend through the ranks. We just still want him to be on the show. Yeah, it was getting to be a little suspicious, right, uh, Jessa, that Finn was not advancing? Yeah, you know, I mean, he's already gone from his decorated narcotics career to this for <laughs> seemingly forever. Uh, and the only thing he really does is call his old friends from different squads that seem to cause more trouble than not. It's about time for him to move up. <laughs> so there is a, a guy in a stereotypical Hunter's parka who comes into the restaurant and threatens everyone. Mm. The girls. Where? I don't know. What girls? The girls in the basement? The ones for sale? Everybody stay calm and easy. I'm not here to hurt nobody. Just show me and let them go. Okay, why don't you put that gun down and then I'll show you around. Ain't your business, buddy. Yes, it is. I'm a police officer, okay? Good. You can help me self-investigate. All right, first, I need you to put that gun down. He got all of his clothes at Cabela's in Wisconsin and then <laughs> flew right out there. That's where... I was like, oh, I know that guy. He lives next door to me. Oh. Yeah. Look, and you know he had to take the subway to get there. How do you get all the way down to Chinatown with that hunting rifle on his hip? I don't know. I also don't really get the sense that he gives a shit about kids at all. Like, it's like <laughs> I mean, let's be real. He like he like busts in with this like mission to save the children. Like, what is he gonna? Th- were the children gonna go with him willingly? Like, does he really think that that's going to happen? <laughs> They're going to see that dude and be like, oh, sure, I'll leave my life of awful sex slavery in the basement of the Chinese restaurant to go with you? <laughs> you seem safe. You probably aren't related to Garrett Jacob Hobbs. Like... <laughs> when Aduka tries to convince Finn and Rollins that there is a code in the Chinese menu if you want an underage prostitute because ordering some young guy was too obvious. That's right. <laughs> First of all, can we just refer to Duca as Puffy Alex Jones for the rest of this episode? Yes, sure. we can, because that was my note. My note was... <laughs> bloated, crazy right-wing guy. What was his name? <laughs> Puffy Alex Jones. But here's the thing. It's like when you're describing somebody as Puffy Alex Jones, like that is saying something, right? Because <laughs> Alex so Jones is Puffy to begin with? <laughs> anyway, Duca is... Uh, you know, very. I, one thing I did like about this turn of the episode, by the way, I love this episode. It is like very peak SVU echelon episode. I don't love it because I think it's like good. I love it because it has all the things that I love talking about. about I totally agree with that. This checks like all my boxes. It's a perfect podcast episode. <laughs> and and one of them is, first of all, the name of his stupid website, theendlesstruth.com. Again, a slug placeholder name that some writer just forgot to change later, obviously. No, well, okay. <laughs> but second, this episode does do a good job in that scene with Duca, make you making you question whether or not, wait, is the congressman actually a pedophile? Is this where it's going to go? It's like a little bit of a head fake. Mm-hmm. And I love it when this show does that. I love it. I mean, that's, why, that's how this show was built. It was built on head fakes. And this episode delivered a whole bunch of them, and that was one of them. I also really loved, like, exactly how close to the line of red string connecting dots they got 
<laughs> with like the Chinese broccoli being code for child bride. And, <laughs> you know, but then he kind of yeah. makes a good point, which is like, why is this guy eating dinner at 4 p.m.? And that yeah. kind of had me for a minute. I was like, I mean, that's fair. Why is he? Yeah. <laughs> of course, now Finn, who is the expert of iconography in every kind of situation. <laughs> that's right. You know, looks at, you know, the butterfly wing or whatever the stupid thing was and then he's conf- he tries to pass off the whole thing about Chinese broccoli and Chinese broccoli initials CB on pedophile message board CB stands for child brides it can also stand for Chinese broccoli <laughs> that my friends is some sweet wisdom from Finn sweet wisdom from Finn <laughs> <laughs> We have a, hey, it's that guy. Hey, it's that guy. We do? Yeah, can you recognize the actor who plays Ron Duca? Puffy Alex Jones? Puffy Alex Jones, anybody? No. No. (laughs) This isn't over. You're attacking the wrong journalist. Watch yourself, Mr. Duca. You're going to be back in court as a defendant. Is that a threat? Yeah. Well, as long as I know the rules of engagement. Okay, that's Patch Dura. He's been in The Path... Uh, everything sucks, and he has hit the Law and Order trifecta. Really, in all three shows. He has an upcoming role in the uh, the new scripted series about Fox News. Huh. He's going to be playing Sean Hannity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> so this was his rehearsal for that. Yeah, then you probably submitted that uh, that reel. He goes, "Here's my audition. I'm a journalist. I'm a journalist. <laughs> <laughs> just darken my hair a little bit." He, he doesn't need he doesn't need anything fancy. It's just him and his microphone against the world. That's it's, right. It's, it's endlesstruth.com. It's perfect. Now, who is the actor playing Congressman Luke Bolton? Uh, I don't know. Anyone know? I'm bad at this. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that actor's name is James Waterston. You know him from Dead Poets Society. Hmm. He played oh. he played Milk Toasty Pitts. Uh, sure. He was the third boy to stand on the desk in the <laughs> Captain My Captain scene. Of course he was. He's just following along. Just following along. But facts don't seem to matter nowadays. It's fake news, but a lot of people seem to believe it. That was night. It was he. It's hard to recognize him because that was 1989. Right. Uh, but he's also known as son of Sam Waterston. Really? Yeah. Oh. Well, that's exciting. He ha- he has had four appearances, including as the dad in the episode Inconceivable that uh-huh. we had with Carvel Wallace was our host. Yes. One with the all the embryos were stolen. Yes. Another SVU oh. yes. classic. Yes. Yes. Uh, was yeah. one of those embryos the teenage daughter that he says that he has in this episode that could make him possibly not be a pedophile because he has a teenage daughter? Could have been. The worst ex- like non-pedophile <laughs> excuse in the history of the world. I can't be a misogynist. I have daughters. That's right. And you're like literally 100% of pedophiles have a relationship to a female in their life. Like yeah, exactly. 100%. I have daughter, mother, sister. Like you right. have to have one. That's how biology works. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking to adopt seven or eight more. Oh. That's not suspicious, is oh, it? Yuck. Okay, so they want to subpoena Duca's computer. Mm. First, where the fuck is Barba? Yes, yeah, <laughs> seriously. This was his what, his week off? Good question. Excellent you know, question. We have, like, earnest prosecutor who's trying really hard to remember her lines where she's like over enunciating, over enunciating every courtroom word there is just to get it right, where she's like, In the United States versus Sterling, the court held, so long as the subpoena is issued in good faith based on the legitimate need of law enforcement, 
The government need not make any special showing to obtain evidence, criminal conduct from a reporter in a criminal proceeding. This is outrageous. <laughs> the Supreme Court in United States. You're like, girl, calm down. Like, <laughs> I mean, there's an excellent chance, let's be real, that uh, uh, like Raul Esparza maybe had a show in previews or something that just didn't make it to Broadway, which is why he was able to come back and you know complete his yeah. time on SVU. Well, this character, this uh, assistant DA has had an appearance in like, like once a season since like season 12. Huh. So this must be like- She's back up. She's backup well, because that attorney's whoever's playing that does have something else to do. <laughs> to be fair, she is in the place that the little dunk dunk caption just calls motions court with no <laughs> other explanation. <laughs> motion. We have a special room for that. It's down the hall. Oh, yeah, look for the sign that says motions like, court. What the hell is motions court? <laughs> it sounds like the gym that they have in the basement. Right? <laughs> Motion's uh, okay. court might be in the basement of this Chinese restaurant. I mean, I don't That's know. Right. Oh, it doesn't have a basement, remember? <laughs> <laughs> False flag. Okay, the, uh, the, the judge rules that the police can take the journalist's computer despite his claim of privilege. Right or wrong? Right. Wrong! <laughs> Well, that's assuming that Jesse, you're going to lose every case you do from now on. (laughs) What's assuming he's actually a journalist? Which we are not getting into who's a journalist and who isn't. I understand, but that was I'm saying that guy's not a journalist. All right, (laughs) that's the whole whole point. My head is on a swivel here. That was the whole point of this episode: is that you can't. So this this guy is broccoli. This guy is using. He's calling himself a journalist so he's got for a privilege. this reason. Yeah. He's using it so that he can do whatever he wants to do and so that he can make money off of lies, like literal lies that he knows are lies. He's not reporting anything. He's literally making stuff up. All right. And that, that's the, the person whole who actually knows something about this. Sure. Jessa. And, well, here, if you want the boring, your case. If you want the boring legal answer, first of all, federal circuits are Yes, but you have to enunciate it very clearly like uh-huh. that attorney. Well, her answer was young girls are being exploited as we speak, which is what the winning argument was in the show. The the real winning argument is that we're not all even remotely settled on reporters privilege, let alone how we define a reporter and the federal circuits are split on that. It would be massive litigation that would take probably a long time to figure out. Yeah. But girls are being exploited, so charge okay. on. Let's get that. <laughs> I believe that. Yeah, sta- it's usually state laws right. that govern shield yeah. laws and privilege and things like that, and you can make a claim, but a lot of times journalists just end up going to jail because they kind of lose that. Right. But I think. Well, and I think it gives them cred. To be like, Listen, no, fuck right, you. Sure. Oops, sorry. Yeah. I'm, I, I, no, oh, no, Rebecca cool. swears. We swear it's on okay. the show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and by the way, I actually agree with you, Kevin. Like, I don't think journalists should have to give up their stuff. But in the yeah. fake conceit of this fake episode, totally he should have had to give up his stuff. Yes, totally. exactly. <laughs> well, that gets us into the sort of the next plot point here. Yes. Where now he's upset. And then he has this expose from Endless Truth about Benson and Rollins. Mm-hmm. How do we explain SVU cover-up of Coral Dragon sex ring detectives Benson and Rollins? Both have fatherless babies of unknown origin. Human flesh payoffs from sex ring to look the other way. What do you think? I think this guy needs his computer shoved down his throat. Now I'm going to say that the photos of them playing with their kids are bullshit because you know neither of them get home during the day. <laughs> and it would have to be at night, and they're like, hi, I'm in the park. Okay, couple things here. All right. The slug line, they have fatherless babies of unknown origin. Beauty. Because <laughs> for real, 
That's a little bit true. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, the whole time looking at that, I'm like, listen, I don't think it's fair game. I don't think a real reporter would do it. I think it just points to him not being a real reporter. But also... We only know who the fathers of these two kids are because we watch this stupid show. They don't tell anybody who the fathers of those two kids are. Ever. Yeah, yeah. Jessa, <laughs> you know, her unit actually did kill Noah's father and send his only living relative to jail for kidnapping. So maybe Duke is on to something. <laughs> it, it, it is kind of true. And, the, you know, the, the thing was right before that in the courtroom, like in the halls of the court, they have this like epic back and forth where, of course, he's pro se because this guy would never like hire a lawyer to argue his case. No, and he knows so the Constitution very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he comes out and is screaming, this isn't over. And Liz is like, careful, you'll be back as a criminal defendant, which I was like, <laughs> sick burn, Liv. Good job. <laughs> have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start Start saving saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Now let's look at the second half of this episode. While the internet blows up with people threatening Benson and Rollins, they essentially abandon their children with Lucy, who will drive them to her secret hideout in New Jersey. While Duca is claiming that there's corruption in the NYPD, the detectives arrest him on zero charges, and Liv threatens to rip the guy's dick off. Your people even supposedly talked to that child rapist, Ronald Fleming, but instead of investigating that, you're making empty threats against me. Stalking? (laughs) Kidnapping? You can trust me right now. Those threats... Not empty. They find the hacker who says he was paid to plant kitty porn on the congressman's computer. And he got the porn and child sex ring info from the computer of that restaurant supply salesman, <gasps> Ronald Fleming. He confesses and agrees to work with the cops in a sting to break the operation. Just as a black car shows up to drop off a child prostitute, Fleming shoots himself and the shot scares off the driver. A quick chase, and they rescue Marianne, who says their pimp, Jerry, is holding quattro girls in his basement. <laughs> in order to find the house, they don't drive around. They use Google Street View <laughs> to click around and find the bodega where they get their fudgies. They find the house because it has, n- not ironically, a statue of the Virgin on the lawn. Mm. Jerry is busted and the girls are rescued. Liv demands Duca retract his fake story about their kids or she'll connect him to the porn charges. Noah and Jesse return safely to their mother's arms. But what will the writers do with the last two minutes of this episode? <laughs> mm. Liv rushes back to the Coral Dragon where Congressman Bolton was assassinated while eating with his own teenage daughter by another conspiracy theorist. Okay, first sign of trouble, they stick Noah and Jesse in Lucy's car, and they get her out of town. Now, you can tell, you know that Lucy can afford a car in Manhattan because she's making 80 grand a year babysitting Noah. Yes. Lucy is so freaking unflappable, and I'm my, the, <laughs> the only thing I kept wondering this whole episode, because the beginning of it we see, too, like, um, Liv offers up Lucy to go pick up Rollins' kid, Jesse, like, on her way back from picking up Noah from wherever. I'm like, yeah. Is Rollins paying Lucy too? Or is Liv just paying her babysitter once and like shuffling off all these other colleagues' kids on her? But Lucy doesn't seem to mind. I really do think a whole like sub show could just be Lucy 
driving around on the phone with her mom. Totally, totally. Yeah. Like and on then her- we'd have more Noah. That's true. I said, that's actually, never mind. Yeah. Strike, <laughs> strike that. <laughs> but in that in that moment when they're handing them off. Rollins so seriously says, and you've got enough bananas, Cheerios, diapers. Do you have enough bananas? (laughs) Cheerios. I mean, it's like, I thought she was going to ask, like, you you know, say something like, if you don't hear from me in three days, take her to her imaginary fathers or something, some serious thing. (laughs) I mean, she's like, sure, I'll go into hiding with your fucking kids indefinitely. (laughs) It's fine. There are Cheerios upstate. What else? Yeah. In New Jersey, wherever. It's fine. I'll just go. Yeah. I didn't think like Lucy's got to say, well, if I'm going to do this for you, you got to go water my plants. <laughs> Lucy doesn't have any plants. Sure she does. No, she doesn't. They're she all dead because she's always at- uh... She's at Liv's house 24-7. Like, literally at the end of this episode, she had to go back to work babysitting when she <laughs> had just finished she babysitting was leave. for yeah. four days. Yeah. She's like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> You are a terrible mother, Liv. <laughs> no problem, Liv. Anything you want, Liv. This is quadruple time, though, Liv. <laughs> yeah. Liv has got no chill when it comes to Duca. No. <laughs> but I do know that young sex slaves sometimes get pregnant and have babies their bosses don't want. And you are a single woman without a child who suddenly out of nowhere gets a mystery baby. Oh, that baby is not a mystery. That baby is my son. Yeah, where did he come from? Lieutenant. What do you think of that interrogation scene? Well, okay, setting aside the obvious conflict of interest that exists here. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you, you really can't investigate the guy that's, like, saying arguably slanderous things on the internet about you. That's that's going to be a problem. A, a defense attorney who's maybe not sleeping with Puffy Alec Jones would have some cross-examination to do on that, but... Uh, you know, setting aside that she shouldn't be in the room in the first place. I really actually love Carisi's effort at explaining why they brought him there. <laughs> Where he's like, look, we got you on stalking. We got you on attempted kidnapping. And I'm like, this guy runs a website, yo. Like, <laughs> I just love the tableau. Like the scene opens, the interrogation scene with Carisi sitting there with Puffy Alex Jones. Live with her back to the camera with her hands on the grate of the window, cocked at an angle like a jellical cat in an Andrew Lloyd Webber musical, just waiting to turn around and pounce and be all self-righteous about something where she should not even be involved because her own child was published on the internet. It was crazy. You know, and then Finn's like, Liv, we're going to need you to step outside. She's like, no, 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 I got this. And he's like, no, really, though. It's time to go. Hey, I'm a sergeant now. You got to, like, listen to me a little more. But you have to give, like, uh, Fleming, at least, credit, right? Because he understands sort of the questions to ask in a way that Duca doesn't. Because mm-hmm. when they do set up that sting with Fleming, like, his question to Finn is, wait, why am I here? Like, like <laughs> good fucking question. Good f- <laughs> we don't actually need you here because we're all here with you. And, like, we're just waiting for the child sex slave to come into the place. Yeah. Like we're all just out there. It's not like we're in the closet and you're in the bed. Like yeah. <laughs> Right, because yeah, the plan is that nobody's ever gonna get into that house. That's right. Right. They're just gonna get them in the street. They don't want that car to drive away. I just have one other thing to say about Liv in that interrogation scene. Yeah. She's like, you know, they sort of have this whole thing and then they were like t- they're talking to Fleming and all that stuff, and then she's like, I'll put in a good word for you. Right. If you do think for if Elliot were there, he would lose his fucking top. Liv yeah. is going to put in a good word for the pedophile <laughs> with the DA? Like, really? 
It's that would a, never happen. Well, it's important information. <laughs> of course, you know, Fleming takes, you know, an overlooked gun and shoots himself in the head and misses. <laughs> crackerjack police work, crackerjack suicide attempt, just A plus everybody. Everybody there involved. There's so many <laughs> shots fired here that that never landed where they're supposed to land. Yeah, I, my guess is that he just had some MSG right before he tried to do that. Oh, he did. Was, yeah. Cuz he's allergic, you know. He he's is. probably a little dizzy. Yeah. His game was a little off. <laughs> and Finn says well, the unis missed it. Good job, Sergeant. <laughs> You're kind of in charge now. Let's send you to patrol. Not. A, not. <laughs> so when they do, when they chase down the driver before we, we find our child sex trafficking victim, I felt like Carisi really demonstrated some strong masculinity in his questioning. So where how he so? Was, well, he's like talking to him and the driver's like, I don't know. I figured she was going to see her dad or something. <laughs> and, and Carisi's like, really? You think her father let her out in that much makeup with her dressed like that? As though that that cracks the case. Like, really? You should have thought harder about that 15-year-old's eyeshadow, man. You know, my father never would have let my sisters go out like that. (laughs) You're right, dude. We all should have picked up on it. That was a warning sign. Hey, hey, where's your mom? Don't get in my car. What are you, crazy? Okay. Uh, Rebecca, tell me your thoughts on the interrogation scene with Marianne. Oh, with Liv talking to Marianne on her yes. beautiful office furniture, like Ethan Allen couches that she apparently keeps in her office. Jerry me da 50 dollars. I give it to the driver. He take me to a man. He wait. I do the sex. He me lleva de vuelta. Take me back. Uh, Liv is talking to her, and uh, Marianne does that incredibly stupid TV trope thing when there's a person who speaks a foreign language, and they have them say a whole sentence in Spanish, and then a whole sentence in English, which clearly demonstrates that they speak English perfectly, but the fact that they just said a sentence in Mm -hmm. Spanish is supposed to make us, remind us that they're foreign. Right. (laughs) Well, why do they all know English except for the simplest words? Like Quattro. Yeah. You know? It's like, well, I think I think they Benjamin Button the English language, right? They learn all the important stuff and then they can't get down to the little stuff. Like, we are captured by a scallywag who is holding us near a proton accelerator where we live in a perpetual state of ennui that is no bueno. In order to find the uh you know, the brothel, yep. they have to use <laughs> Google Street Map. Yes. My favorite tool, by the way, for going and seeing what people's houses look like when they tell me their address and where they live. <laughs> Anything? It all look uh, same. It's okay. You keep looking, all right? Espera, espera, wait. Uh, we get uh, fudgies there. Fudgies? Mm-hmm. There. Cuando traemos buen dinero, uh, bring good money, uh-huh. Jerry take us to buy uh, fudgies. Como... Like ice cream. Believe it or not, I actually kind of thought this was kind of a good use of resources and sort of realistic. Like they never use that stupid huge screen for anything that makes sense. (laughs) And this time it sort of made sense. It was like, let's orient you without sending out a bunch of people who are probably working overtime at this point and a bunch of squad cars and whatever. Let's just we have this tool. 
Let's use it. And even the little Google logo was in the corner. So you got to wonder if that was like some weird product placement situation. We use Google Street View when we're trying to figure out like what shady ass strip mall somebody got a blowjob in. Yeah, right. but, <laughs> but that's... <laughs> you put it in the 3D so you can get down real close. And... Yeah. Or we're like, is that next to the dry cleaners or is that like... <laughs> but, Let's but take that's... the drive from Mar-a-Lago to that oh, massage gosh. parlor. Let's do Street View. <laughs> you know, but that's because we are like lawyers that work in basements like we're not yeah, the nypd <laughs> they should they should have something else <laughs> so so like after everything happens and they arrest jerry and the girls are free benson goes to duca if you ever post another word about my son or detective Rollins' daughter i will make it my life's mission to connect you to that sex trafficking ring that we just busted now my question is if you can do that then I guess maybe he actually did do that, so why not just arrest him? <laughs> because that also solves the problem. Also, isn't that illegal, telling somebody that you're going to press charges against him? I don't oh, know. Yeah. Let's go to the attorney. <laughs> no, you, you totally, like, you can't be... No, that's just not a thing. It's, I, I can't even find legal words for it. No, you cannot do that. You absolutely cannot do that. Oh, my God. The most unbelievable shot in that rescue scene was when they pulled a close-up on the wall behind where the girls are all yeah. in that stupid bed together. And there's a, a magazine photo of the Statue of Liberty, and they just sort of pan in on it. Oh, that's right. Oh. Like who? So, so the implication is that one of the girls hung that up as decoration in the room. Why the fuck would she hang that up after she had been tricked and had been taken to this child sex ring house? Is she still going to be celebrating liberty and <laughs> because, what she stands for? Because the writers' room wanted a deeper symbolism. Oh, okay. So well, wait, is that the symbol that once they were rescued from that room, they were a hundred percent definitely going to be deported no, by I, the Trump administration? I, I took it as that they had a dream <laughs> of coming to America for something good, and oh, they yes. got well, the yeah, sex duh. instead. Yes, he they had to do. The sex, which also was a they term. They had to do the sex. That was also a term from the writer's room, because I know one of them's like, hey, that's what my Puerto Rican girlfriend calls it, the sex. <laughs> the sex. I don't want to do the sex, so it's absolutely real. Uh... So in the end, Benson goes into the restaurant to see the dead congressman. He's flat on the floor. <laughs> which was a plot twist. A plot twist, right. And they are questioning the daughter, who is just, Sitting right behind the body, Mm -hmm. like turning around. Is that my dad? Like, why would they do that there? (laughs) They had questions. They had questions. (laughs) It was important. important. I mean, the real hero of this episode is Mr. Lee. I love Mr. Lee. Mr. Lee is a badass. I loved Mr. Lee, too. (laughs) This is out of control. Who's going to come eat here now? We'll get the precinct to provide security, but hopefully this is a one-time event. From beginning to end, Mr. Lee is like, everyone thinks it's a child sex ring here. Look in my mop closet. There is no basement. (laughs) That it's literally a cinder block wall. It's not fake cinder blocks. It's real. He's not afraid to confront the Elmer Fudd dude. He's, you know, he's obviously a nice enough guy that the congressman wants to help him out by making the gesture of goodwill. But the other thing is, if that's what the congressman was trying to do, like let people know it's okay to eat there, like where was the media? Like where was all the stuff that the congressman would have done to go along with that, right? Yeah. <laughs> Why? I, I didn't really even understand how that was supposed to do anything except fuel endlesstruth.com. Right. That's exactly. right. Like, are you really telling me that they wouldn't have just said, look, there he is again, ordering more Chinese broccoli? <laughs> he brought his own daughter here this time. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. 
You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start, Start saving, saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Well, let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. It's time for Ripped from the Headlines. You think you know who did it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Ripped from the Headlines. This episode was inspired by the bizarre Pizzagate incident in the waning days of the 2016 presidential election. Reading those hacked Democratic emails released by WikiLeaks, alt-right activists said they found coded messages for a child sex ring run by Hillary Clinton. Crackpots later connected the imaginary sex ring to a pizzeria in Washington, D.C. The falsehood was shared by nutters on extremist social media and spread by bots and foreign-operated sock puppet accounts. Owners and employees of the Comet Ping Pong Pizzeria were subjected to threats as people claimed an order for cheese pizza was actually code for child sex. Things finally went balls up in December when a South Carolina man entered Comet Ping Pong with an automatic rifle looking to investigate the story. Edgar Madison Welch fired three rounds in the restaurant before being nicked by the police. He later said he regretted shooting the gun but refused to admit the story was fake news. The Pizzagate story has been thoroughly debunked by dozens of reputable news organisations as a work of fiction. In January of this year, a fire was set in the bathroom of Comet Ping Pong Pizzeria. No arrests have been made yet. Crazy. There were a lot of, you know, real cues from the story in the episode. Like, there was no basement at all, the Comet Ping Pong, for a sex ring to even be there. People did believe that there were coded messages about food that came out of John Podesta's emails. You know, cheese pizza was child prostitution. The employees there were also harassed, as well as other businesses in the neighborhood. And the, there's, it's also a, a concert venue. So the, the bands who played there were also targeted. Those bands include Heavy Breathing and Sex Stains. Oh, God. Wow, Those bands did not really help end the controversy. <laughs> the controversy, you mean. The controversy, yes. <laughs> Dear God. Yeah, so this just went crazy on social media. Other outlets picked it up, including InfoWars. Uh, Alex Jones eventually had to apologize for his comments on Pizzagate, which is uh, something that he doesn't do. I was going to say, which really tells you what a low that must have been. (laughs) (laughs) Which one of his advertisers made him do that, you think? All of them. Seriously, (laughs) when when the guy that thinks Sandy Hook was, you know, crisis actors has to apologize about something, you know it must just be the falsest thing that has ever been said. Right. Well, actually, I believe that the, the restaurant owner brought a libel suit against Jones in the state of Texas. And so in, in Texas you have thir- you have to respond in 30 days. Ah. And so I think he did that to kind of kind of end it and he took some stuff down off of his uh, his website. 
it's like these odd coincidences again, like sort of the, uh, the logos and the things like that. They say, oh, well, it, it looks a bit like the real thing. And but they... you can make up that documentation. Yeah. This is oh, the yeah. thing. This is like you. I, I've followed these kinds of things sometimes. I mean, first of all, right now I'm obsessed with fake Melania, which is a different kind of story, right? But the <laughs> oh, body double. Yes. Okay. And by the way, check your Twitter because it's super fucking interesting. That is my I, conspiracy theory that I get down now. the rabbit hole of. But. There is, what happens is, when you find something like this that's intriguing to some people, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a dumb one, and that's why it's an example, because it seems like relatively harmless, right? Yeah. When you start going down the rabbit hole, you get linked to some blog, and then that links you to some subreddit, and then that links you to some other obscure website. Next thing you know, you're finding what you think is documentation of a thing, because but basically, you realize like it's these same people posting in yeah. all these different yeah. places, creating their own documentation, creating their own proof, and then sourcing to the proof that was created by either them or somebody that they you know interact with. It's it's freaking bananas, you know. Well, but they, you can retcon that. I mean, yes. all of really that that's how so much of sex crimes prosecution works. Okay, is that you and, and this is my view because I defend sex crimes, but. All of a sudden, the fact that you took a kid to get an ice cream cone four years ago becomes this evidence against you that you've been grooming them the entire time. And, you know, in some cases, yeah, that's probably true. But in some cases, it's the same backwards reconstruction of evil, perverted intent that we're just obsessed with as a culture. Like, we just love to write it that there are sex perverts everywhere. I I mean, we do. (laughs) Believe it or not, Pizzagate was back in the news in Canada this month. Hmm. There was a a conservative politician, and he was asked at a town hall meeting about money the Canadian government donated to the Clinton Foundation that helped pay for the child sex ring. And the politician didn't correct him in this rambling question. (laughs) He didn't say, I don't know what you're talking about. He didn't say talk. He just he answered the question about, you know, about money. And Prime Minister Trudeau and a lot of other politicians are like all over him. And the funny thing is, like, this was so Canadian because the guy, his question was, he wanted to know, how come the taxpayers get that money back? (laughs) (laughs) How come we were never thanked? (laughs) How come they never sent a thank you card for all the child sex stuff that I absolutely know happened? What about us? (laughs) (laughs) Why pizza and not Tim Hortons? Yes, we have perfectly good pizza. So Comet Ping Pong, it's a hipster pizzeria, concert venue, and Ping Pong Table Bar, two and a half stars out of four from the Washington Post. (laughs) And it was also featured on Guy Fieri's Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. I want to know which is worse, being the target of this conspiracy or being praised by Guy Fieri? (laughs) You know the answer to that question, Kevin. (laughs) There's only one you can come back from. Also... I mean, if you are maybe a child sex ring place, shouldn't you have at least three out of four stars? I mean, what's taking <laughs> you know. the ranking down there? Is it the, you know, is it unhappy actual perverts that went and realized it was just a pizza place? Or is yeah. it like ordinary hipsters who are mad that they're, you know, now people know the name of their pizza joint? Yeah, that's what it is. The Yelp reviews are horrible. <laughs> no child sex ring here. Zero out of ten would not recommend. Sucks. <laughs> Sucks. That is going to do it for us. We want to thank our guest, Jessa Getz, 
Jessa, where can our listeners follow you online? So you can follow me. I handle the Twitter account of the Getting Off Podcast. So that's at Getting Off Pod. We have an Instagram and a Patreon all under that name. There's a website, gettingoffpod.com. It's not very well developed. <laughs> uh, Rebecca Lavoy, how can our listeners follow you? I am at Reb Lavoy on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, at Crime Writers On at the same. And you can track me on Twitter at Kevin P. Flynn. You can also tweet to us at Law & Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader was Cy Freider. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Line editing by Henry Lavoie. Content assistance from Travis Roy. Lily Flynn handles promotions. To get ad-free episodes of These Are Their Stories a week early, sign up for Stitcher Premium. Get your first month free at stitcherpremium.com slash crime. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act fair use exemption for criticism and commentary. If you want to know what episodes we're talking about in our upcoming shows, go to lawandorderpodcast.com. Sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Are Their Stories was recorded in the Yoga Loft above the Bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio and is a production of Partners in Crime Media. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.